Talk of the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, for 25 years partnering with donors and nonprofits and communities statewide to strengthen Maine through grants and scholarships. On the web at maincf.org. And the time is just a few seconds before the hour of 10 o'clock. This is Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill and 102.9 in Bangor. Stay tuned for Talk of the Towns with your host, Ron Beard. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works and to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and, like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. You know, Maine people are resilient and resourceful. Old Man Winter has been at the doorstep before, and we figured out how to hold him at bay. But with fuel costs fluctuating and still trending up, how will we do this year? Today we're going to look at the challenge of heating our homes this winter and how you can find out about information and programs that may be of use and how you can get involved to help your neighbors. In the studio with us we have some guests who can help us with that topic. Happy to welcome back Tim King. Tim is the Executive Director of the Washington Hancock Community Agency. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Ron. Pleasure to be here. Great. And Kathy Crossman is with United Way of Eastern Maine. Welcome to you, Kathy. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Kathy, maybe we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about Eastern uh, United Way of Eastern Maine and, and uh, your involvement in that. You came from some other, other work, um, working on breast cancer, I understand. Yes, yeah. My involvement um, prior to coming to United Way, I had been an independent consultant, but for volunteer work, I spent about three and a half years as president of the Susan G. Coleman Breast Cancer Foundation. Mm. Loved the work, and um, when this opportunity came up, I decided it was a perfect way to mesh work with that feeling of volunteering, and it has been wonderful. Mm. And tell us a little bit about the position that you hold. I am vice president of Community Impact, so I oversee how those dollars that donors are are generous enough to provide us with are invested in the community to make sure that lives are improved through them. Great. Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, the agency that you represent, the Washington Hancock Community Agency. Uh, I've been executive director of Washington Hancock Community Agency for about five years now. Before that, I was in municipal government for many years. WHCA provides a variety of programs for lower-income families, uh, including transportation, uh, small business assistance, uh, heating assistance, uh, and housing services. Great. And you're one of the programs that was part of the, of Lyndon Johnson's Great Society, probably Bobby Kennedy's um, uh, idea um, that, that, that said we need to do something about the poverty in the United States. That's, that's right, Ron. Only a few of us are still alive to remember those days. <laughs> well, we think about those things from time to time. Well, let's um, get started with both of you kind of um, helping to uh, frame the issue that we're facing. Tim, I know you think of it as not just a home heating issue, but an overall health issue. Talk a little bit about that. That's right. Uh, Ron, I, I'm, when I've described this to many people, I've described it as a, as a health problem, not a heating problem, not an energy problem. Mm. Because for many people who, who end up having to pay as much as 30 or 40 percent of their annual income for heating fuel, they're having to reduce their uh, heat levels, their temperature levels in their homes to really unsafe levels because they end up having to make choices between heating their home or buying medications or heating their home and putting food on the table. And what ends up happening, I think, is in many cases they end up giving up the prescriptions mm. or giving up nutritious food in order to have a little more heat. Mm. And I think that we see if you talk to Healthcare providers in hospitals, emergency rooms, they're identifying people who are, who are actually coming in because of health-related issues caused by uh, the being hypothermic. Mm. 
Mm. Kathy, how, how would you um, see it? How does your agency kind of begin to frame this issue um, for a solution? Because both you and Tim are about working on community solutions. Yeah, exactly. I g- agree completely with Tim. It is going to affect different families in different ways. But what we know for sure is it's going to affect a lot of families this winter. Um, Community impact in and of itself is about using multi-pronged strategies in order to achieve um, success through improving people's lives. So if you think of that as a target, the more strategies that we use to aim at that target, the better chance we have of hitting it. And at United Way of Eastern Maine, we um, have had the good fortune of having a energy initiative now for a few years um, through donations from our Eastern Maine funders, which are foundations, organizations, individuals. And that in and of itself uses multi-pronged strategies. Um, you know, I think this winter it is going to take a number of different alternatives, a number of different um, strategies in order to make sure that people are safe and secure, that they are do have their prescriptions, as Tim mentioned, that they do have food, that they do have heat, um, and that may be everything from blankets right through to fuel in the oil tank. Mm. Uh, Tim, as a former municipal uh, um, uh, official, you saw some of this um, with kind of public assistance um, at, the, at, the, at the town level. There was people called on the town for this. In the old days, that's the only source. There wasn't any WHCA. There wasn't any state aid. People called on the town. What, um, what dimensions um, do you see kind of taking forward from your role as a municipal official now to your role in WHCA? What dimensions of the problem and the issue are you seeing? Well, I'll tell you quite frankly that as a municipal official, most people who need help wouldn't come in and get it. Mm-hmm. Those who, many of whom were very deserving. Mm-hmm. There, there was, there's a stigma attached to, to general assistance. So these people wouldn't come in. Mm-hmm. One of the things that WHCA does is we make sure that people feel comfortable with being able to let us help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ensure that, the, that they're treated with the highest level of respect and dignity that, uh, that they're encouraged to. In, in essence, what we tell them is, to get back a little bit of the tax money that they put in for all those years mm, mm. Uh, and how important it is for them to uh, avail of themselves of, of some of those benefits, just like Medicare, just like Social Security, mm-hmm. just like heating assistance right. that they are entitled to. So um, representing um, this organization that is tied to the federal government, talk about the federal program and, and then we'll come to um, – the news recently that Congress is at least considering a little more assistance in the traditional um, heating assistance program. Uh, LIHEAP is the common acronym for the Low Income Heating Energy Assistance Program that's administered through Maine Housing uh, and funded by the federal government. All the 10 community action programs administer the program uh, for Maine Housing, and it provides an increment of heating assistance in the form of money that is paid to the to the resident's fuel, uh, fuel company. In some cases, that fuel might be wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the fuel company delivers the fuel and gives them a, a credit against that amount that's put in. In the old days, that benefit was substantial. We used to be talking about uh, heating assistance for, for families in terms of the number of tanks that of fuel that they would receive during the winter. And now we're, we talk about a fraction of a tank that those heating assistance funds purchase. So even though Congress is considering an increase, you pointed out that um, it's only going to be um, maybe 30% of someone's um, heating uh, costs that they might receive in benefits from LIHEAP? That's right. Just a few years ago, uh, heating assistance, um, I mean, heat, uh, heating fuel cost about a, a dollar a gallon. Mm. And with the the LIHEAP funds, we they could buy as much as three or four hundred gallons. Now, because of the cost of heating fuel, uh, and the 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 fact that the amount of heating assistance benefit has had not increased, they were buying a lot less fuel. Mm. Mm. So you that's one of the approaches. But um, you mentioned. Um, uh, more of a uh, prevention kind of thing, and that's weatherization. How do you approach that issue, um, weatherization of homes? Well, we actually received two, had been receiving 
two pots of money from the federal government. One is called DOE weatherization through the Department of Energy. The other is part of LIHEAP funding that goes to main housing is passed on to CAPS to weatherize homes. Now, historically, we've been able to weatherize with those funds about 100 homes per year. Okay. But we have over 2,000 homes just in Hancock and Washington County that are what I co- what are defined as at-risk households. Mm. Those are homes with with a person in the household that is elderly or two years of age or less. So you're making very small increments on that 2,000. Just on that 2,000. Right. There, there's at least an additional 1,000 homes. Mm-hmm. But the people, the, the community in, in the greater uh, Bangor area have stepped forward, and that's something that probably Kathy can talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Kathy? Sure. Um, What Tim is referring to is the uh, Eastern Maine Funders Energy Initiative. And as I mentioned earlier, a group of philanthropists, um, organizations and foundations and individuals decided that what they wanted to do um, was to make a difference with those dollars, which is very typical of philanthropic dollars. And uh, so they went using um, Common Good Ventures. They asked them to conduct some research and found out that weatherization really had the best payback. So if we're looking at those dollars as return on that investment, weatherization certainly made the most sense. And what we felt, um, they used United Way to administer those funds, and United Way felt as though that the community action um, program certainly had the best experience in this and knew the people that needed to have these homes weatherized. So they... Um, through the CAP agencies, have distributed those funds. And they've been distributed as fuel assistance, as furnace repairs, and we had a number of oil dealers um, offer to go out and clean those furnaces, um, which was wonderful. I think we had 100 this year and 60 the first year we did this. Um, And then the weatherizations. The first energy initiative, um, the majority of the dollars were put into fuel assistance, and this was during the time that the research was being conducted. Uh, during this energy initiative, the majority of funds are going into weatherizations, and we know that there is about a 3.6 to 1 return on that. So a family, if $2,500 were spent to um, make weatherization improvements, they would reduce their fuel um, costs by over $9,000 as a result of that. Mm -hmm. So it gives them a much longer return, long-lasting benefits, um, and certainly a very good use for those philanthropic dollars. Mm. Tim, part of the weatherization process involves something called an energy audit. Where is the heat escaping? What, what, how can you be more efficient? And I understand that um, you and, and perhaps other CAPs are, are encouraging energy audits, but also actually um, setting up that service as a, as a profit-making arm of your nonprofit organization. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, WHCA created Expert Energy Solutions to assist two ways. One, we have trained, certified individuals who can do energy audits, and then we have uh, weatherization crews that can go out and actually insulate anybody's home. The energy audit is important because you have to look in terms of, of insulation in terms of your whole house. You just can't take one piece like the attic mm-hmm. uh, and and think that you can make a, a tremendous difference in terms of insulating your home. When I had my own home insulated a couple of years ago, we found that many of the major routes by which the, the heat was escaping was what I call the chimney chase. That's mm-hmm. the area between the chimney and the, and the walls, but also through some pipe chases. They identified those, plugged them up, uh, insulated my walls, and it's made a tremendous difference. Mm. I'll just remind listeners that they're tuned to uh, WERU this morning, or Talk of the Towns. We're talking about facing home heating and energy challenges here in in Maine. Our guests in the studio are Tim King, who's the executive director of the Washington Hancock Community Agency, and Kathy Crossman of United Way of Eastern Maine. Um, Kathy, these multiple approaches that Mm -hmm. you've mentioned, um, I suppose, um, involve... Um, as you said, um, home heating assistance, weatherization, are there other prongs in, in your uh, approaches that you're thinking about? Yeah, there are, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, 
as Tim mentioned, a lot of people wouldn't even feel comfortable coming in to apply for assistance. So in considering that this year and in conjunction with the governor's uh, emergency uh, energy task force that he put together in their recommendations that communities develop their own groups um, and go out and do what they can to make sure that these people are safe and secure this winter. We decided that as part of the Eastern Maine Energy Funders and Energy Initiative, we would take some of those funds and put them into what we call a Neighbors Helping Neighbors Small Grant Fund. So um, those communities that can pull people together, and that may be organizations, agencies, businesses, s- students at a high school, um, volunteers from a faith-based organization. Pulling those people together, this grant could provide them with the seed money to do things that their particular community needs. So it's much more individualized and because we feel as though people in the community probably know people who wouldn't feel comfortable coming to apply for assistance but could definitely use some assistance this winter. So that may be in the shape of warming centers where they can go if they run out of fuel. It may be providing things like blankets or coats or boots. It may be a watch group where you identify maybe seniors in your area that are in jeopardy of you know going without fuel this winter but really don't feel comfortable sharing that information. And you just have people go and check on them every once in a while to make sure they're doing okay. So there's a number of different things, and and I know... Um, I think all of us here know growing up in Maine, people are very creative and innovative. And when it comes to watching out for others, we do a very good job of that. So we hope that this small grant fund will provide opportunities for just that. Mm. And and so uh, people who have good ideas then would contact United Way and say, here's, I've got this idea for my community. Can you um, help us think about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, yesterday morning I had a wonderful call from a gentleman over in Brooklyn who um, chatted with me about that. And, uh, you know, it's a very exciting call to be on. I, I love those type of calls because it starts out with, a, you know, well, we could really use some funds for fuel assistance. And mm-hmm. there's no doubt every town mm-hmm. could right now. But through our conversation, we broadened that. And by the end of the conversation, um, you know, we were both very excited about what opportunities were there. And he was talking about people who have extra um, wood that they would like to donate and people who are willing to transport that wood and oil dealers who would deliver oil with no delivery charge, even if it were 50 gallons or below, to make mm. sure that people in their community were taken care of. That's what it really means to pull together and do what you can do to make sure others are safe. And it seems to me that I've also heard that um, that town, Brooklyn, is is actually doing some kind of a, a local fundraiser, maybe as a result of your conversation with them. Um, I think they were talking about a fundraiser. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, it, it wasn't as a result of mine, but I thought that was mm-hmm. a wonderful idea. But at that fundraiser now, they can go and they can talk about these ideas and it's, you know, brainstorming storm, some things that could be done. So I, I really hope that the small grant fund becomes a catalyst for things like that. Mm. Um, Tim, uh, I, I should draw you out a little bit more about the um, energy audit. The energy audit and the services that that um, branch or arm of your um, Washington Hancock Community Agency provides, that's eligible, uh, that's open to any, anyone. Anyone. Right. So um, if a listener was calling and saying, I think I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I don't qualify for um, uh, fuel assistance, um, but I know that I need to pay attention to my own fuel bills, they could call and find out more about what, what an energy audit does, and then um, they would take it from there in terms of what improvements need to be made. That's right. They can call either our Ellsworth office at 664-2424 or our Millbridge office at 546 546- uh-oh. <laughs> 7544. Great. We'll repeat those numbers at the end of the end of the program. Um, so it's this combination, it seems like, of the private sector that um, Kathy uh, represents and the public center that uh, Tim represents that um, allows us to think about, well, we may um, be able to help people um, this winter and, and uh, set in, in place some things that, that um, you know, make, it, make a difference. Um, Kathy, what's been the response when you've gone to uh, funders and you've said, this is a real need this year? Well, they, are, they understand that need. They certainly do, and they really want to see um, work take place this winter. They want as many people as possible to be warm, um, be safe, to have food on the table, because it, that's going to be a significant problem as well. Um, so 
they're really stepping up to the plate. And I, I have to say, you know, there's probably a lot of funders where this isn't going to be one of the easier winter either. Um, but they're determined that they're going to do what they can to make it better for someone else. And, and there's a lot of good work going on. You know, the CAP agencies are absolutely wonderful with this. And uh, United Way is not a direct service organization, so we rely on those other agencies and organizations out there to provide that direct service. Um, 211 is another critical service that people need to be aware about this winter. Uh, if they are running out of fuel, if they are running out of food, if they are trying to find a place to get that prescription filled, whatever it may be, 211 is a place to call. It's a toll free, 24 um, 7 information referral service to um, critical resources in every community in Maine. And we haven't had that. That's a, that's a relatively new program. It's Yeah, it's been around a couple of years and certainly is, you know, the number of calls that they're receiving um, has grown by leaps and bounds. And uh, the highest number of calls were related to fuel assistance last winter. So we know that that will be the case this winter as well. Great. You're listening to Talk of the Towns. We've got Kathy Crossman of United Way of Eastern Maine and Tim King of Washington Hancock Community Agency with us in the studio. And now we're going um, to by phone to State Representative Hannah Pingree. Um, welcome to Talk of the Towns, Hannah. Great to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me. Um, Hannah, um, You've been um, right in the thick of it in terms of, of what the state is um, thinking about, state government is thinking about. Tell us a little bit about the the uh, um, presiding officer's heat and energy emergency task force. Um, first of all, what presiding officer are we talking about? Uh, well, the, the Speaker of the House, Glenn Cummings, and the uh, President of the Senate, Beth Edmonds, um, decided that the situation was dire enough. We are not in legislative session over the summer and fall. It's an, it's an election time. Um, but there was enough concern out there that we felt it was important to start planning for legislative action that we would take um, this fall or this winter. Um, we don't go back in until January, really, officially. So we wanted to be ready or decide if we should bring the legislature in sooner. Mm. Um, so it's actually been a, it's a group of actual um, leaders, which is quite unique. We don't usually bring leadership together in, in a public way, but we felt it was important enough to have a bipartisan um, group of, of high-level leaders, um, Carol Weston, Richard Rosen, uh, Libby Mitchell, the majority leader, and I, and, and Sean Faircloth, as well as several members of different committees involved in this. And we've met several times. We're going to meet again um, the second week in October. Um, and, you know, we're most concerned with people being safe in their homes this winter. I know that's a lot of the discussion that's been, been going on. It's, you know, how do we make sure that literally people are not freezing to death? Um, how do we support um, families that are, are really at this point trying to figure out what they're going to do. And we have heard a ton of concern out there. I, I know that um, all the folks on this um, show have heard that same concern. Um, but, you know, we, we obviously are taking it very seriously and, and trying to figure out some immediate action. Um, there's obviously much more uh, long-term action that we feel the state needs to take um, in terms of weatherization, in terms of alternative energies. Um, and that's something you'll hear a lot of talk about in January um, but this is a really focused effort on what we need to do to help people make it through this winter. Mm. What are you hearing from your constituents um, on kind of both sides of the equation, um, what needs exist, but also are you hearing from constituents about how they could get involved in solving the problem? Oh, I mean, I think there's an overwhelming um, concern on the part of my constituents and the constituents of all the members of, of the House and Senate. I mean, people are now trying to get reelected, so they're out knocking on doors, and they're just hearing know, heartbreaking stories of, of seniors and low-income and middle-income families who honestly just are, are petrified that they won't make it through the winter. And they, you know, they don't have extra money to pay uh, fuel bills. I mean, some people are, are obviously filling up the wood box and figuring out how to heat their home in a way not, that's not reliant on oil, but a lot of people don't have that option. Um, so we're hearing you know, a high level of concern, probably the highest level of concern around this issue um, that certainly we've heard in a long time or I've certainly ever heard in my political career. Um, we have heard um, a lot of good work going on in communities um, in both the public and private sector. And there are community nonprofit groups. There are obviously the larger organizations like the CAPS and United Way that are, are working hard to try to figure out what they can do this winter. Um, you know, banks and credit unions are offering uh, fuel loans and low-interest loans for weatherization. 
um, which is great. Towns and cities are trying to figure out if they should develop emergency funds, how to expand general assistance programs. I mean, I think, I think there is probably no place in the state of Maine where people aren't, um, you know, acutely aware that this is a significant problem, and a lot of people are trying to find, um, you know, the short-term solution to it as well as thinking about the long-term um, but it's a it's a significant issue that it could require you know more than a lot of us have have really even figured out at this point. Mm. One of the things that you've um, spoken about is the uh, the idea of a statewide bond issue that would um, put state dollars um, into this work, but but for the long term, not for the, the yeah. short term. Tell yeah. us a little bit about you, that idea. Sure. I mean, obviously, you know, we know a lot of folks in Maine, um, myself included live in old homes, the vast majority of our housing stock is, you know, totally under-insulated, um, not fully winterized. I mean, there's obviously, you, know, you can put plastic on the windows, but a lot of us need insulation in our walls, insulation in our attics, work done in our basements. Um, and it's a fairly significant investment to make that happen. Um, so to, you know, try to help people move off of an incredible amount of um, oil use, we, we believe that winterizing people's homes, helping them switch to alternative sources of fuel, is something that we need to encourage. Um, for the lowest-income people, it means grants to help them winterize their homes. Um, for middle-income people, it means tax credits, um, subsidizing lower-interest loans. Um, you know, obviously, <laughs> I have an incredible amount of concern now with just the national financial crisis going on. I mean, it's, at this point, the state was unable to even sell a transportation bond yesterday, so... Um, you know, we could be facing some some major issues in tr- trying to even get people credit to do things like that. But I just think we need to to revolutionize our thinking about um, how we look at this problem. And you know, I think a lot of people are are starting to f- trying to figure out how can I winterize my home, how can I switch to something other than oil. Um, but I think a lot of people are going to uh, need help or a push to get there. Mm. Um, I know that um, in our area, um, Senator Rosen is, is also a member of that group, and um, he's not quite so sure that um, w- the state should be supporting um, a bond issue. Um, how would you characterize those those views? Are, there, are those markedly different? Um, you know, I think that, the uh, you know, may, may be ideological um, a difference in opinion about whether state investment should be put into um, helping people winterize. Um, but, you know, I, I, you go out and you, you hear from your constituents, and there's just such overwhelming concern. There's a huge call to increase LIHEAP funds, which I believe, uh, I hope the federal government will step up and do. I think the state will supplement that program. But when you continue to put money into LIHEAP, which is just a benefit to help you fill up your oil tank, and you have incredibly inefficient homes, I mean, we're literally just pouring money down the sieve of our old homes. Um, so I, I think I mean, the, the real investment that's, you know, there's been a number of predictions between $1 billion and $4 billion to really winterize every home in the state of Maine. Obviously, that would probably take an entire decade to get it all done. Um, but I think, you know, if we don't start now with a bold plan, um, I'm not really sure how we're going to make it happen. Um, mm. You know, I can't speak specifically to why Senator Rosen opposes it. I do think that there's a fairly bipartisan and significant interest in encouraging weatherization. And, you know, I think that families, low-income, middle-income businesses um, are going to need a boost. And I think um, a state housing and weatherization bond makes sense. Great. Representative Pingree, thanks so much for taking time to be with us on Talk of the Towns, and good luck with all of your work. Thank you, Ron. Good to talk to you both. Okay. Bye-bye. The state representative Hannah Pingree um, talking about some of the state's initiatives to um, think about and act on um, energy issues. Um, in the studio with us, we have Tim King, who's the director of the Washington Hancock Community Agency, and Kathy Crosman of United Way of Eastern Maine. In a short time, we'll be talking with my colleague Kathy Hopkins of the University of Maine Cooperative Extension. Um, as the program develops, you can participate as well. One eight six six. Six two five nine three seven eight. That's one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Perhaps you've got some questions for our guests. Perhaps you've got some suggestions, or maybe some ideas that your community is using to work on the issue of of home heating and energy challenges for um, the winter coming up. Tim, earlier um, you spoke of of uh, weatherization, and you had um, a really nice kind of comparison between what we might put into weatherization and and what that 
yields, I think Kathy mentioned it as well. Talk about the investment that we might be making and, and what the payoff would be for weatherization. Sure, Ron. Uh, it costs us an average of about $4,500 to weatherize a home. It, from that, you can anticipate that, uh, that the savings, average savings per household will be between 200 and 250 gallons per year. The average savings in dollar terms at $3.50 a gallon uh, is several hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, just in terms of if all the lower income households in Maine w were weatherized, that's about 30,000 of them, the savings would be over two and a half million gallons of fuel every year. The savings uh, in terms of, of uh, dollars would be several million, several, several million dollars mm. a year. That's money that won't be leaving the state of Maine. Mm -hmm. That's money that's going to be staying in the state of Maine. It's money that won't be going to foreign uh, oil companies. It's money that uh, that will be reinvested in the community. Uh, beyond that, it's going to be several million gallons of heating fuel that won't have to be burned. Mm. That won't that will reduce our carbon footprint. Uh, I, I think there are tremendous advantages all the way around. Mm. So as we move beyond kind of what we have seen in the past of relatively cheap energy um, to a, a, an era where energy is not going to be cheap, um, weatherization is is a logical uh, first step. It's not it's not going to solve all of the problems this winter, but over time, you're saying that that's the way we should go. It, it's certainly conservation, and that part of comfort, mm -hmm. conservation is one that is I, I call a low-hanging fruit. It mm -hmm. just makes sense to do. It makes sense to make the investment. Uh, it has tremendous benefit both for the homeowner but also for the for, for the state of Maine as well. Mm -hmm. Kathy, did you want to add something to that? No, I just, I agree completely. And I think uh, Hannah mentioned as well that, um, you know, in this area in Maine with these older homes that we do have, I think that is one of the most critical things that we can focus on it would be the weatherization projects. Great. Well, I'm happy to also now to welcome by phone um, my colleague Kathy Hopkins of University of Maine Cooperative Extension. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Kathy. Are you there, Kathy? Hello. Hi, there, there you are. Um, welcome to Talk of the Towns. Uh, Kathy, tell us a little bit about your work um, for Cooperative Extension and how you got interested in the whole question of, of energy. Well, uh, like Hannah mentioned, Ron, I live in a home that was built in the 1780s, so I know about um, insulation issues. The first winter, the curtains flapped in the breeze. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've done a lot over the years personally, and um, I've seen a lot of people, we have a lot of folks that come into our county extension office with questions about those types of things, especially this, this summer and, and early autumn here, people are starting to think about it. Also, uh, every county extension office has an executive committee that uh, guides the, the work that that county office addresses. And our executive committee established last spring that energy and, and heating needs was something that we needed to focus on in our county. So you, you kind of began to do your own homework, but then recognized that there's a statewide need for the kind of information you were putting together, and you and your colleague, uh, our colleague uh, Donna Coffin, um, worked together to create a, a website. Is that right? Yeah, e Extension in general, Extension said uh, that this was an issue and we needed to do something about it because we do provide education and and uh, it, it was established as a, an organization-wide issue that needed addressing. And Donna and I have, have headed up a home energy um, initiative sort of within Extension. And also we have a colleague, Cara Fitzgerald in Kennebec County, who's heading up a farm energy initiative to deal with um, specifically with farm um, issues. Mm. So, um, again, uh, the, the website is on the University of Maine website, um, and tell us a little bit about the content of, of that website. Yeah, the, the website is something that a lot of people helped put together because a lot of different folks had a different uh, take on energy needs and information that already existed out there. So Donna put together the website framework, and people added in information um, and it's divided into categories for home heating energy, alternative energy, farm energy, business energy ideas. So uh, it, 
They are links to information. It's links to other agencies that do specific kinds of things. If you need um, to find a list of certified energy auditors, you can click on that link and go directly to the uh, Maine State Housing Authority website where that list is located. So we, we think it's a useful tool uh, for, for sorting through a lot of information that's out there and, and finding it in a quick way. Mm. And I, um, going on this morning, I saw um, uh, kind of a feature that's coming up, and that's called Do-It-Yourself Videos. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Well, the extension offices are going to be um, handing out energy kits uh, to the, the public to do some simple weatherizing on their homes. And uh, as, as part of the kits, there will be a DVD that goes out and, and the clips on the DVD that explain how to install the items in the kit will also be on the website. So, so even if someone didn't get um, you know, the, the free kits, and those are going to be targeted, um, I understand, to folks most in need. But right. every house, as you point out, needs some of these things. So these um, DVDs and the, on the website would help people go to their local hardware store or building supply place and, and purchase the items that they might need to make these simple um, changes. Correct. And, and uh, there's written information. There will be the how-to videos if you want to watch. And there are a lot of other materials that will help people decide what they do exactly need in their house um, and what they should tackle first. So. One of the fascinating parts of the website is uh, the comparison of various types of heating fuels. Um, do you know about that particular piece, and, and can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's, it's kind of a... Um, uh, click on and and do sort of. Um, you have to fill some tactic. things out. Yeah, about. you you fill in the numbers for what you're paying for electricity, what you could buy wood at, or what you buy your oil at, or or any of those fuels. You can insert the numbers and then push the button, and it will tell you what in your particular application what might be the best and most economical fuel for you to use. So kind of a calculator. So if you're thinking about um, uh, changing or supplementing, or supplementing um, you can begin to make um, those numbers. And, and the, it's flexible. It's not, it's, it, 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 as you said, you fill in your, the numbers that work for you. Right, right. 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 What's been the response um, uh, both in, at your local uh, county office and the executive committee and the clients that you're serving? And, and what do you sense is happening statewide as a result of, of this website? Well, I think a lot of people are using it to get some factual information. There's, there's no lack of information out there about any number of things. Um, and and the, there are plenty of entrepreneurs doing useful things and maybe some things that aren't so useful. And so the information on the website helps people to sort through that and decide what would be the best step for them to take first. Mm-hmm. Um, and And... I think that's useful for folks. And there is a link um, to the governor's um, website, which um, then details a lot of the state um, programs as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Great. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Kathy, so what are you doing in your home this year? Are you making any changes in, in, uh, in your old house this year? Well, gee, Ron, we've been working on it for oh, 20, <laughs> how long? <laughs> 28 years. So we've, we've gotten a lot. Uh, taken care of. I, I'm not sure we'll do much this year. We did a lot last winter. We put some new windows in, which was helpful, and some new doors that uh, blocked some of the drafts. Mm-hmm. So. And, and any sense of, of what was the, the biggest single thing that you did over the over those 28 years? What, what made the most difference, do you suppose? Oh, the biggest thing was insulating. Mm-hmm. The, the first summer after the first winter, we put insulation, we had blown in insulation in the walls and more insulation in the attic. And that made the biggest difference. And you know, we put indoor storms in. As, you know, over time, we've done a few things every year. And I think that's how folks need to think about it. There, there's always something you can do, given whatever your particular situation is. And sometimes there are things that you shouldn't do, because if you have a a house that's already pretty tight, adding more insulation can actually um, can be a detriment to you. If you need a certain number of air changes an hour to keep your home healthy inside, uh, 
And so if you go crazy putting on plastic windows and insulation here, there, and everywhere and sealing it up too tight, you can have air quality issues inside and trap moisture and get mold and that kind of thing. So sometimes it's not what you do. It's also what you don't do. Right. And to find out, um, again, what you could do to, to help your situation and maybe what not to do, the website is, is important, but also, as you mentioned, the, the professionals who are out there uh, making these these uh, changes um, in, the, in the commercial sector as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, thanks for being with us here on Talk of the Towns, Kathy. Good luck with your work. Well, thank you. <laughs> Great. Um, that was Kathy Hopkins, who's um, a colleague of mine in University of Maine Cooperative Extension. And uh, the website, if you just um, use your uh, search engine to look for University of Maine Cooperative Extension, you'll go onto that um, general website, and there's a, um, a button for energy issues that will link you to many of the programs, I think, that both uh, Kathy Crossman and, and Kim, Tim King have mentioned, but also to the state's um, websites, and uh, you'll get that kind of assistance. So we do have um, time left. We're hoping that um, listeners will call with their suggestions, their questions. Give us a call toll-free at 1-866-625-9378 or locally at 469-0500. Perhaps you've got some suggestions for other listeners, maybe some community um, initiatives that are happening, um, or questions for our guests. And They are Tim King, who's director of the Washington Hancock Community Agency, and Kathy Hopkins, excuse me, Kathy Crossman of United Way of Eastern Maine. Um, Tim, uh, what else should be thinking, people thinking, be thinking about um, as the winter approaches? What other programs might they think about, and, and how would they get information about those? Um, certainly, they uh, need to be thinking about uh, how they can help. Uh, and I know that the governor has put forward his Keep Me Warm program. Uh, individuals can make donations to the Keep Me Warm program. In fact, the CAPS, Community Action Programs throughout the state and the, and the United Ways throughout the state have gotten together, and we're going to be doing that fundraising together. Mm-hmm. Uh, both the United Way of uh, Eastern Maine and WHCA, as well as Panquist CAP, uh, will be representing the, the area down east and eastern Maine, uh, but statewide, People can help. They can also do some fundraising locally. They can have their own events. They can either send the money that they raised uh, to uh, the Keep Me Warm Fund. They can make a donation to uh, WHCA's Thaw Fund, or perhaps they want to. They have their own fund locally that they could uh, make a contribution to. Great, Kathy. What what else would you add? I think that, again, the most important thing for people to keep in mind, uh, they need to do what um, is important for them in that particular community. Um, As Tim mentioned, there's a number of ways to make donations this year. All of those funds are... Um, will be used to support people who just aren't able to help themselves this winter. That's critical. But, you know, please don't forget about 211 to call if you need resources. Uh, VolunteerMaine.org is another very useful resource for people who may be looking at doing a community group or are looking for some volunteers who just want to go out and help someone. Um, There may be high schools out there with, you know, a senior class who says, we're going to put all of our names on VolunteerMaine.org and we just are waiting for a phone call to go out and and winterize some homes in the area. So maybe with the use of cooperative extensions, winterization kits, some information they can gather from WHCA, some seed money from United Way, and this senior class can make a huge difference in people's lives. So Mm. again, that's community impact. It's pulling different resources, using different strategies, um, all targeted towards the same thing, making people's lives better. Mm. 1-866-625-9378. Give us a call here on Talk of the Towns as we talk about facing winter home heating and energy challenges. Um, uh, Kathy, if a listener were were, um, out there and and they said, I want to do something, but I don't know what I might do,
certainly we can come out and do a talk in your community, um, chat with you about some opportunities that you may have to, to, you know, make a difference in your own community. So, you know, we're really open to a number of different things. Mm. And I noticed that um, at least in, 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 in this may happen be in, in, this may happen be happening in other towns, but in Southwest Harbor, um, there's a meeting I think next week on uh, September 30th, Tuesday, September 30th, the Harbor House um, down there, a community service. Um, organization has invited lots of people to come together and talk about um, how they might approach these kinds of issues. So whether mm-hmm. it's an individual or a group like uh, uh, Harbor House, um, you may find some some allies in your community to t- tackle this, this issue. Absolutely. We've sent information to all of the towns, to chambers of commerce, um, but, uh, you know, there's a, so many different community groups that right now are pulling together. And I know Tim probably has spent as much time in, in meetings and you know, f- with these types of groups um, as I have lately. Um, but as far as I'm sure we would both agree that there couldn't be enough meetings. And, and um, you know, to generate the ideas and get some good work started out there before snow flies and temperatures get a little too cold. one 866 um, Tim, what kind of stories have you have you heard over the years about um, some real innovation? What what have people done to kind of figure this out and, and, and tackle it, whether as a as a family or as a community group? What have you seen? Well, I, I've I've been hearing some very innovative ideas. For example, there are a couple of towns in Washington County who decided that what they would do is they would collect a list of the people who are at risk within their community. And the intent would be to go out and check on them when the temperature gets below a certain level, just mm-hmm. to make sure they're not skimping on their heating mm-hmm. fuel too much mm-hmm. uh, or the, or they're in a hypothermic situation. Too often, I think, there are the, the efforts that are the elderly, and there are a lot of people who may not be elderly but might be disabled or might be single-parent households uh, that – that need to be checked on as well, and they and they also need assistance. Mm. So this w- this list might have been put together um, with uh, folks at churches, uh, schools, whatever. But it was a it was a common list, and, and people knew in those communities um, who to check on. That's right. What they would do is they would they would agree that that maybe a dozen people who would be part of this effort would take five names apiece mm. and agree to to call those people during mm-hmm. during the winter. I think well, that'd be. It has so many side benefits be- beyond simply being able to ensure that those people are safe. Great. We do have a call. I'll invite any listeners to call us at one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. But we do have a caller. Go ahead and tell us your um, first name and where you're calling from. I'm Jean Gale. I'm from Belfast, and I was always curious if there's any information that is reliable for appropriate technology to uh, winterize a home or a building. And but by that I mean something other than paying $4,000 to have somebody come in and blow insulation. Mm, so uh, have you got any particular um, uh, ideas about what that might look like? Well, you know, in 100 years ago they would put pine boughs around the foundation. That's not exactly what I mean, but that, like that uh, for people who are handy but don't have a lot of money. Okay, that's a great, great um, question. We'll see if we've got some response. Um, I guess uh, initially I would suggest um, checking out that um, University of Maine Cooperative Extension website because some of that old knowledge does reside in, in uh, Maine, and, and uh, they were dealing with these issues in the 1880s as well as the 1980s and, and uh, now. Yeah, we don't have as much sawdust as we used to. Well, that's right, because a lot of the sawdust is, is being uh, taken up and, and created into wood pellets. I understand that farmers can't get... Uh, um, you know, good um, wood chips and so on. So yes, we're 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 using some of those things, but um, we may need to relook at those. But let's get some um, response from our our guests. Thanks for your call this morning. The the first thing that I would suggest: e- each of the community action programs has a list of lowing low cost ways to uh, reduce your energy costs. Uh, some of them might be as as simple as doing a little bit of caulking, a little bit of uh, uh, weather stripping, all that kind of thing. And if they were to contact their local community action program, or even if they call WHCA, uh, we'd be happy to make that information available to them. If they want to spend a little money, then they can hire a professional energy auditor. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, we'll do a walkthrough and tell them 
uh, what they need to do to insulate their homes for, for about $150. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they wanted a far more in-depth, full uh, energy audit report, it would probably cost the neighborhood of $350. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing um, individuals kind of take that action. I, I suppose that um, uh, public buildings are t- undergoing those same kinds of things. I've heard of communities doing those kind of energy audits for public buildings so that they're conserving taxpayer dollars to, um, to, to operate those. Um, but thanks for that call, and we'll see if there are other calls um, or suggestions. one 625 4690500. Yeah, people did get by in the 1800s when there wasn't central heating um, in their homes. Um, they didn't have um, the insulation we have, but they they might have used newspapers. They might have used um, uh, rushes from the um, from the, uh, um, the the marsh areas. They had other ways of, of taking care of those kinds of things, yes. and they burned a lot of wood. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, um, you know, if we, in stories that we've all been told, I think, you know, it, it is stories of, of helping each other, families, maybe um, living in the same household for the winter um, so that they didn't have to heat three different households. So mm-hmm. there are a number of stories out there. And um, one comment that I'd like to make about the last caller, I think, um, you know, she reflects a, a lot of people that are um, wondering what can they do themselves. And one thing that, that I would caution everyone on is to use a very trusted source. If you are looking at having some work done um, or even gathering information, you know, make that a trusted source that you go to. So using your CAP agency is, you know, very important. Um, Even if it is to confirm that the people that you're using, you know, are legitimate, um, they have the certifications they need and so forth, I think they can help you with that information. One of the things that I think is uh, certainly has a great potential this year is people who are already struggling, um, they will grasp at straws to make their lives better. And sometimes when they do that, their outreach is to the wrong people. So be mm. very careful of that. We certainly saw some of that, the last kind of quote-unquote energy crisis. Um, people, um, and as, as uh, Kathy Hopkins um, said, uh, people made some bad choices, and uh, their their health declined because they didn't they weren't getting enough air, um, fresh air in in their homes. So right. we need to be very careful, and and so the notion of trusted sources is is really important. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight, or locally at four six nine zero five zero zero. Um, the, these issues aren't just being faced by low-income people. Um, this is all of us that are facing these kinds of things. Um, Tim, you've, you've commented that, that there's a, another tier of people who don't qualify for um, assistance under, under the normal programs, but they still have those needs. That's right. Uh, the, the people who are just over the income limits for LIHEAP, for example, uh, are going to be confronting the same situation that the lower-income families are going to be confronting this year, and I know that they're just as terrified. Mm-hmm. One of the benefits of of the assistance that the Eastern Maine funders provided is that they, they allow us to assist those people who might be over those income limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, in fact, we, we were able to assist a number of people because simply because they contacted us uh, and they had an emergency. So we... Even if you don't qualify for LIHEAP, even if you've been turned down, if you have an emergency this winter, you call your CAP, uh, and we'll, we're going to try to do our best to help you. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the notion of, of these are the temporary kinds of things. This is going to get us through this winter. Um, you know, you've spoken of weatherization um, what other kinds of things should we be thinking about in the long term? Are there policy things that we ought to be considering um, that, that you and your organizations are thinking about? Certainly the, the funders are asking what's most effective, and they came up with weatherization by looking at the, at the facts. Yeah, absolutely. I think there certainly are a number of policy issues out there, um, you know, I'm probably not the right source to be talking about some of those policy issues, but at the same time, I think that that's important, that we do look long-term at this. Are there alternative fuels we can be using, alternative energy sources? Do we have enough use of LIHEAP dollars? Is Maine getting enough of the benefit from the the federal distribution of LIHEAP dollars? Um, Are there things that we can do to make this process easier? Uh, so that people can come in and apply, and and it's you know that process can be expedited somehow. Um, you know, I I just think it takes people from 
different organizations and agencies and ent- entities and service areas within the state looking at, um, you know, how we can really create a positive effect and um, change things long term. Mm. Tim, anything to add around the policy issues? Yeah, I think that what we need to do is we need to have each home broaden their their sources of energy use. Mm. Uh, I don't think what we found, because 80% of all the households in Maine use oil, we become dependent upon that source of fuel uh, to our detriment. I think homes have to be designed or, or modified so that they can take wood. Uh, they, they have an energy-efficient, environmentally friendly wood stove. Mm-hmm. And so that could be the source of part of their heating fuel. Perhaps oil is part of the cost. Perhaps propane is part of the cost. Uh, perhaps some passive solar or even active solar would be part of the answer. But the important thing, I think, is to is to use a diverse variety of heating or energy sources so that we're not just dependent on one source. Mm. And so that's an individual policy choice in terms of the household right. making policy. Mm-hmm. But we all make decisions, and that's a policy. Um, and also government can be supporting those kinds of initiatives to expand the number of sources we have to draw on for um, home heating and, and other kinds of, of issues. Um, Tim, you started the, the program talking about um, health as an issue. Kathy, you've talked about many different perspectives and many different answers. Um, as we um, begin to wrap up the hour, um, what are your what are your thoughts or feelings about um, this this as a an opportunity to make life better rather than just looking at it as a as a, a difficult time? Right. Well, I would tell you that I truly believe the uh, communities working together, the the neighbors helping neighbors grant fund is an opportunity. I think that once a community realizes the potential and the synergy that can result from having um, a diversity of people and organizations come together, what can be achieved from that um, is going to empower them to do more projects similar to that. So I, I, for me at least, I think that the opportunities that will result from this are um, people realizing what their potential is. Mm. And is there a sense that um, in this particular case we're all in this together? Because oh, this is not just something that affects one class of people, one income level, one education level. We're all faced um, with this. Absolutely. Even as an organization, I can tell you that, um, and, and I think you heard it this morning, we rely on cooperative extension. We rely on our CAPS. We rely on uh, you know, a number of different resources out there. City of Bangor has helped us put out brochures and information, and you know, that's, that's really what it takes. Mm-hmm. I think it takes everyone working together towards the same result. Mm-hmm. Tim, last thoughts or final thoughts for this topic? I, I think Kathy nailed it. This isn't, a, this isn't an individual problem. This isn't a family problem. This is a community problem. And I think it will be the communities that come together as a community that will come up with the ideas, both uh, old and innovative, mm-hmm. that will that will not only address this problem, but will serve the community far better by being able to address other community problems as well. Great. So we're going to kind of knit together the, the social fabric that we have been losing, perhaps, in the last few years. That's right, Ron. Right. Um, Tim, why don't you give us your um, uh, contact information for the Washington Hancock Community Agency? And, and through that, if you're listening from outside of that particular um, set of counties, um, I'm sure you can um, link with your own cap. Your numbers? Uh, 546-7544 or 664-2424. Or our website, whcacap.org. Great. And Kathy, information for United Way of Eastern Maine? United Way's telephone number is 941-2800. And our website is unitedwayem.org. Great. Well, thanks to both of you for being with us this morning. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a ball name house. 
Thanks again to our guest, Tim King, director of the Washington Hancock Community Agency, Kathy Crossman, United Way of Eastern Maine, Kathy Hopkins of the University of Maine Cooperative Extension, and State Representative Hannah Pingree for being with us this morning. Thanks to those of you who called with your questions and your experience. Thanks to our underwriters at Maine Community Foundation. Thanks to Joel Mann for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning.